Hey everyone, welcome to episode 29 of Sparkle and Destroy podcast. As always, I am your hostess, Haley Crusher Kane, coming to you today from San Luis Obispo, California, aka the hotel. Uh, as some of you know, I've been touring a lot more with my band, Haley and the Crushers, and we've been renting out or Airbnb-ing out our house in San Luis Obispo with two separate Airbnbs while we're gone. So when we come back, it's very strange because all of our stuff is stuffed into one bedroom and locked away, and I can't find where the salt is, and I can't find where I left that book, etc., etc. So it's been really discombobulating to be back in San Luis Obispo again. Um, we'll be back in the van though, heading back on tour. Uh, should probably let you know about these dates because they are coming up real quick. October 2nd, Carbondale, Colorado. October 4th, Denver. October 6th, Denver. October 9th, Fort Collins. Uh, the 17th, Ferndale, Michigan. Uh, the 18th, Columbus. 19th, Fort Wayne, Indiana. The 20th, Madison, Wisconsin. 24th, St. Louis. 25th Chicago and the 26th Indianapolis and so yes Haley and the Crushers is heading back on tour and um, it's been really crazy right now because we're wrapping up our third full-length album Vintage Millennial which is coming out in January and it's like oh my gosh we're wrapping up all the art for the 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 record and um, finishing up booking this tour and promoting this tour (laughs) and it just feels so crazy like we've spent the past two years making our lives work in this direction so that we can be on the road, aka Dr. Kane selling his comic book store, me just redoubling all my efforts to get as many freelance clients as I can and get paid to do uh, marketing and, and paid writing work that I can do on the road. And oh my God, it's like, it's all happening. <laughs> It's like we set this up for ourselves and now we have to sleep in this bed and this bed is on the road. This bed is in a van. And so it's been quite the adventure. I've been trying to take the time. I have been taking the time to take notes in my notebook and to reflect a little bit and do some writing. And um, actually, that kind of brings us into what this episode is about. Um, Punk rock as a teenager in a small town can be... A window into a world you never thought possible and uh, the destruction of societal norms that you were, uh, you know, sold as a, sorry, that was my mini jam box, sold as a youth, you know, and I don't know, everyone has that moment um, when you break out of this bubble that you, you know, were in as a child and you can see that there's something else there. I mean, I don't know why I'm saying it in such a labored way. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) The first time you hear Black Flag, that's what I mean. (laughs) Um, Anyway, um, that is kind of what this this episode is about and this interview is about. Um, I'm not going to go too much into it here because I feel like lately I've been rambling way too long on these intros and maybe I just need to have a podcast where I just ramble about my feelings because apparently I have a shit ton of feelings. Um... Go figure. (laughs) Uh, But um, I have been reminiscing. I actually have to admit, I just spent the past like 45 minutes um, sitting on the floor of my closet um, wearing my underwear and a shirt and a hat and reading glasses. So (laughs) 
the most ridiculous outfit. I've not put pants on today. <laughs> I've not left the house today. And I've been going through my old scrapbooks of when I was 16 years old in a punk band in Redondo Beach with my girlfriends running wild on the streets of Hollywood and reading my old diaries, which, oh my gosh, you can't read your diary without kind of tumbling down an emotional rabbit hole. And I mean, 2002 to 2007 were just the most tumultuous, insane years of my life. And I just read an, um, an entry where I think I'm like 17 at the time. And I'm talking about going to a Halloween show with a Misfits cover band. Um, and there's all these people dressed in kiss makeup and I guess I do some Valium and I smoke some weed and then I drink some beer and have some liquor and uh, this this guy confronts me and there's a fight and some guy uh, whips his dick out and me and my friend Carrie uh, had told our friend Lindsay who was actually in our band together to go home with my car because we wanted to party longer and so Lindsay, who's always the smart one, still always the smart one, uh, takes off with the car. We hang out at this stupid house party and we can't leave because everybody's wasted. There's no like um, sober ride. <laughs> and then in the diary entry, I'm like, oh, then Carrie fell, fell asleep and passed out. And the one person who was going to give us a ride like had done a bunch of mushrooms or something. Um you know, just like the most, in, and I don't even remember this party. And I'm like reading this entry, like, what? What? I don't remember this. And I, I certainly don't remember there being a fight and Carrie, I guess, pulls a knife at one point because this guy's like hitting on us. Oh my God. It's just, uh, it gets real wild. Um, I think it's important to revisit your past lives. And maybe that's why I do keep such intense notes because you know, you can't, you, if you humble yourself continuously by how far you've come, it sure makes life feel a lot more interesting. <laughs> and it makes you feel like you've kind of made some progress. And I think I've definitely made some progress. Um, although looking back at my life, I'm like, wow, uh, I thought, I thought 32 was like dead. So, um, ne that's neither here nor there. Um, I'd love to get into our interview today. I interview Madeline Ropner. Such a weird, interesting story of how I met this woman. Um, I w went to go see X um, in Morro Bay like a couple months ago, and um, as anyone who knows me knows that X is my favorite. Is was my favorite band as a teen. Still one of my very favorite bands. Um, and um, I got my X tattoo when I was like 15 years old at some dude's apartment. Speaking of weird old relics, I did find this, the address, because, you know, back then we didn't have, like, Google Maps. Like, I had had to write down from MapQuest, like, what the address was to get to this random dude's apartment so he could tattoo me. Did not know the guy. Again, like, it's kind of crazy I didn't end up dead. <laughs> or with a terrible back infection from a terrible, you know, unclean, uh, you know, makeshift tattoo needle. Anyways... Um, always big, a uh, big fan of X and, um, at the X show the other night, which was great by the way, although Billy Zoom did sit on a stool because, you know, he was, he's ill and he's old. So, um, they were great. And then, um, somebody was like, oh, you have to meet my friend Madeline and drug me over to meet this woman. And there I find this woman, uh, she's holding a poster. And the poster says, and let me just, I have a copy of it here. The poster says, L.A. Punk, Deadbeats, X, 
Black Randy and the Metro Squad, The Eyes, plus special guests, and of course, um, Public Enema, which turns out to be Madeline's band. And so I had no idea who Madeline was, um, but she showed me the flyer and said that she intended to have the band sign the flyer and that um, her band, Public Enema, had been um, the band to bring X to the Central Coast for the first time in like 1978. And not just that, but Black Randy and the Metro Squad was also, you know, uh, Belinda Carlisle, the Go-Go's was in that band. Um, the Eyes, I mean, come on. Like, it was, this is like a legendary show that happened in Pismo Beach of all places at a place called the Rose Garden. So I didn't know that the Rose Garden, which is now a surf shop, was like this crazy music venue, which I guess all these hippies used in the 60s, like I guess Jimi Hendrix played there or something. Um, and then it became a punk club. But anyone who knows where I live now, San Luis Obispo, California, um, they know that it's it's largely an agricultural cow town. It still is. So you can imagine that in the 70s, it was way, 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 way more, you know, one horse town. And so I was like, oh, my God, this show happened in this one horse town. And this is this amazing flyer. And, you know, I she told me the story of how her bandmate had to go pick up X from L.A., and drive four hours to Pismo Beach <laughs> for the show. And so I was just really enamored with her. And I thought, okay, I got to interview you. I got to interview you. I just feel so many parallels, especially growing up in a Tascadero, um, which I did for part of my childhood. Um, I grew up um, in Hermosa Beach. And then uh, when I was nine, moved to rural Tascadero, which is on the central coast, kind of near where, our, where I live now. And um, there was nothing going on. There was no punk rock. There was no record store. I had to take a bus to get to the closest, you know, place to find, you know, anything of, you know, a back patch, you know. And so it was such a weird experience when I did find burn CDs of punk bands and I did find like the couple punk kids at my school. So I just have this affinity for uh, Madeline's story because I mean, I think everyone can relate to this at some point, like feeling like an outsider, not knowing where you belong and then kind of finding this weird underground group. And so, um, I, she agreed to come and talk with me and she came over to the house, which was fantastic. I had just gotten off the road. I was real tired. Um, but I knew that I wanted to tell Madeline's story and have her share it with all of you. So, um, I hope that you guys enjoy this story and just, I guess my hope for it is that one, we honor the past and we honor bands like Public Enema, which, you know, no one knows about this band because like a lot of bands in small towns, uh, punk bands, they were big in their little area and they put on shows in their area and they brought bands to their area, but they didn't tour all over the place. And I think that that's one, of, I mean, there's so many hometown hero kind of bands that deserve to have you know, the, to be in the footnotes of the footnotes of the footnotes. So today we pay homage to uh, Public Enema and uh, one of the one of the very first OG punk rockers in San Luis Obispo County, Madeline Lucy Mad Rockner. That is her punk rock name. Um, and so enjoy the conversation. It was super fun. All right, so. Um, why don't you tell our little audience here um, your name, where you're from, and what was your punk rock name, if you had one? Because uh, I know you had one. Yeah, I did. Um, well, my real name is Madeline. My friends call me Maddie, 
and back in the day I was known as Lucy Mad, which some of the people still call me Lucy Mad, and that was my punk name. How did you spell it? Um, L-U-C-Y-M-A-D. No um, anarchy sign in the I, in the no, A, I mean? No, nothing fun like that, but Lucy, because my hair was red, like yours, uh-huh. but it was it was curled, you know, we went from a permanent kind of thing, and then... That's awesome. Tied up like Lucille Ball, and my boyfriend at the time was Cuban, and he just came oh, in wow. the practice room one day and just went, yeah, 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 <laughs> Lucy, honey, baby, and it, it, it stuck. I love that. Oh, yeah. Lucy, what did you do? Oh, yeah. And, wow. and he was from Cuba. I mean, we're still really good friends, and we work on videos to this day. We're working oh, right, on cool. music videos. Cool. And, um, so where are you originally from? Uh, I was actually born here. In Slow? Yeah. County, or in yeah. Slow in general? Yeah, in okay. San Luis. Wow. And what kind of got you into the punk scene in the community, and kind of what kind of kid were you? Like, did you gravitate to the outsiders, or did you just sort of... Oh. How did you find yourself in that Um, alternate universe we call punk rock? Yeah, definitely always uh, drawn to the artistic people, you know, and just people that were uh, into drama, uh, art, Uh, you know, just they were always a little bit out there, Mm -hmm. you know, compared to the other kids. And And did you do art as well? Oh, yeah, I still do. And then um, I was living in San Francisco during the 70s. So I was part of the Mabuhe so culture. So late, late 70s or mid-70s? Uh, it would be 70, I want to say 76. Okay, wow, fascinating. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Back when it was crazy. just breaking. And That's insane. My circle of friends, I had a boyfriend up there, and he was um, in the bands. And yeah. he, for example, his one of the guys in his band was roommates with Lou Reed. Oh, shit. So, I mean, they were from the East Coast. They came over. And so it was like a really tight community back then, and everybody knew each other. Was Dead Kennedys like a thing at that point? Oh, yeah. Jello. What were some of the shows? uh, Because I I had the opportunity not to brag, but to play with one of Jello's bands, um, the Guantanamo School of Medicine, that phase. That's the real band, yeah. (laughs) Not not the one that's coming to to the Madonna. Yeah, I think they are. Um, And I, so I see Jello in this. Like, I see Jello as someone who's looking, like, I, I don't, I didn't see him in his heyday. Right. And, and his shtick and his comedy and the way he takes political, you know, goings, goings-ons and makes them funny for the stage is really cool. But I wonder what that was like to actually witness, like, oh. him doing his thing in his element in his prime oh, yeah. when it wasn't, you know, kind well, he, of a joke. He was running for mayor in San Francisco at that time. That, and he it was 1976, 77, or... A little bit later, but right, but it's so at cool. That time. And, and didn't he get a lot of votes? He did. He, he got I think a lot. He came in third. Yeah, back then. And <laughs> but the bands that were rolling through, you know, it's like the Clash played at the Mabuhe. Like a, a lot of the bands that were coming in for the first time, mm-hmm. and so we were able to see all this. Wow. You know, and that was Susie and the Banshees. I mean, if you think of some of those bands from the seventies, they were right there in San Francisco. And there was the, the I-Beam, that was another club in the hate. Right, because all the touring bands were coming through San Francisco. But but for local bands, I mean, were you seeing bands like the Avengers and oh, stuff, yeah. too? Yeah, yeah. I, I almost wore her t-shirt today. Ah! <laughs> I, I did 
<laughs> it's funny um, when you kind of have your own little scene in San Francisco, you probably were like, ah, these people are cool, but hey, like, look at these crazy British bands coming over. Because I know right. as a youth, even I felt the same way living in LA. Like, I didn't care as much about our local scene as I did about all these amazing, like, revival bands that were coming back through. Like, I went to go see GBH and, right. you know, all that shit, even oh, though wow. it was so beyond, like, yeah, any... Because <laughs> no, back, back then we were seeing people like The Police and The Jam, and um, Jam never came back, actually. It was, like, their first and only tour, I think, of the U.S. But um, Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, and then uh, one of the bands that really influenced me and they were from San Francisco, is the Tubes. And I remember seeing them at the boarding house. It was a very small club, and Mick Jagger was there. No way. Yeah. What we was were, he wearing? We were tripp- I Hold can't up. remember. <laughs> yes, but you we can. Were tri- we were tripping. We were tripping on it. It's like, you know, I was with a couple of friends of mine, a gay, two gay guys, and we're like, God, look, look who's there, you know? And um, ah. I do know that, um, God, what's his name? The actor... Uh, I'll think of it in a second. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these people were checking the tubes out. They had like a two-week um, like review. Run? Okay. Yeah. And it was like the very beginning. So that was even earlier. That was probably 75. Wow. And I kind of went, wow, this is pretty cool stuff. And, and, of course, they had that song, White Punk Song Dope, even back then. Yeah. And just the theatrics. And, and then we became friends with Leroy Jones and all these other uh, Prairie Prince and we would hang out. They were members of the two. Oh, okay, cool. And then that kind of led into the Mabuhe Gardens, and uh, for example, Pearl Harbor and the Explosions came out of that band. And Gotta and check the them snakes, out. <laughs> um, Lila and the Snakes came out of that band. There's so many bands so that fell through the cracks in terms of like punk bio- like autobiographies and biographies too. Oh, yeah. Where it's like I'm sure it's maddening for you to be like looking back at these books. Like, wait, there's so many other bands too. Okay, well, like. Certain ones, and then the LA scene was completely different. Right, we haven't even gotten there, and like no. that's why you're here. Well, you're here for a lot of reasons, but yeah. But, um, but anyway, so, you know, the what scene brought you to San Francisco? Was it was um, it college? Was it work? Was it love? I, was it music? I applied to the Fashion Design Institute, mm. and I got in, and so that was kind of like um, what I wanted to do at that time. So we were living up there, and I was living and working, and just got. My neighbors were a band, the pink section. Okay. (laughs) So, and I met an English guy from the BBC, and then um, we ended up just going to Nobuhe a lot and just really got into the scene. Cool. And what was your contribution at that time? Were you playing music yet, or were you just more part of Um, the support? Just good friends with the band, and like I said, my boyfriend at the time was in a band. And I had another friend, uh, her name was Lane, her name is Lane Burgoyne. And she had a band called the Minx. And the funniest thing is two of the members in the band were from here. Oh, weird. Yeah, it was kind of... Wonder, is there stuff available? I'll have to go check them out. And... I, I have something at home. Okay. But Lane, uh, she was from Memphis, and she had recorded with one of the first all-girl rock bands. Oh, that's rad. And I think uh, their name was Isis. Okay. Back in the day. Cool. That's another thing to Google. Yeah. Thank God for Google. There's plenty out there. So, um, but she was a really good friend of mine. And so I I was just, right there, I was just hooked in with all the musicians. Right. In San Francisco. So let's take this from your journey from San Francisco to Southern California and also your journey as becoming a musician as well, or being part of a band as well. You know, that's, that's a big leap probably, even for an artistic person, just to go from 
I know for me, I was, you know, supporting punk bands and going to shows, but I didn't start really performing in front of people till I was in my early 20s. And that was a huge life shift for me. Right. Was it like that for you? And kind of how did that um, all happen? It was kind of a natural progression because when I started the first band, it was actually... What, what was your first band? Uh, we couldn't even say our name on the radio. It was too obscene. You can say it now because this is an independent podcast. <laughs> Public Anima. Oh, right. That, yeah. Oh, that was your first band. That I thought you might have had band. another band before that. No, right. that was the first band. It's so funny because Public Enema is, like, not even that offensive now, especially when oh. our president is, like, grabbing you by the pussy, grabbing me by the pussy. Right, like, right. <laughs> yeah, but back then it was, uh, we had to call it P.E. Okay. They would not say our name on the air. Wow, um, so that was your first band. That's really interesting. So set, set the scene, though, how you got involved with this band and, and where things were happening, oh. and just paint a picture, because yeah. I want it to come from the horse's mouth. Well, I was working at this place, and um, there was a woman that was working with me. In Slow? She, in Slow, mm-hmm. and she knew a, a guy that was really into the same kind of music I was listening to, because I'd tell her about, you know, all this stuff, Iggy Pop, or whatever it was, and she goes, oh, well, my friend Edwin, you know, is really into this, you should meet him, and I go, okay, you know, Sure. And so I met Edwin, and we're like, oh, wow, you know, you're into this, <laughs> man, blah. And so we clicked, and then we, we just said, well, shoot, we could do this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we, you know, we could write songs. And so we started with a acoustic guitar, writing really silly songs, and then uh, we put ads up. Oh, got, I love it. You put, like, people, Oh, yeah, like, paper. Yeah, yeah. And we got what, a, what were the ads, if you could remember? Uh, were they like, funny? Yeah, it was just like, you know, uh, we're looking to start a band. We need... You know, guitar and drums. No, there was no thing that was like, if you like call the, this number. If you like the police, <laughs> you can you can suck an egg. Like I feel like there's a lot of um, ads yeah. even, even today. Well, I'll see them on a pole somewhere, and it's like, you know, everything but emo. If you're emo, you can kill yourself. Like oh. you know, was, not, not that like, harsh, but you know what I mean. Like well, they just, uh, it was pretty straight and narrow. Yeah, yeah. Back well, then. I mean, back then you were just looking for people that were into like punk, minded. period, exactly. or like minded, and that's a funny thing to mention for listeners that aren't from Slow County, which many of them aren't, um, San Luis Obispo County is its own bubble, and I talk about that a lot. It's this, like, very weird place between L.A. and San Francisco where you're not really near a city, but you kind of have, like, whiffs of culture right. coming through. Um, but there can be dry spells that are just staggering for oh. literally years. And oh, then yeah. suddenly a scene will pop up for, like, five minutes or five years and then That's... go away. So um, you were you were there in the 70s here dealing with that dealing with it and it was it was very interesting because when we formed the band we got reply from Santa Maria <laughs> cool and that was the guys working at Cheap Thrills because um, we you know we put signs up where we thought you know record store mm-hmm. sure um, comic book store yeah places like that so we ended up we used to practice actually in a chicken ranch <laughs> <laughs> in, in Santa Maria or on a Pomo. Wow! Yeah, it was like this. It was really funny. Foster for or not Foster Acres, something like that. That's hilarious. And then, so, who was this person from Santa Maria that hit you up? Um, it was Ron Fast and Johnny Thumper. Okay, and so, Thumper was with me at the X concert. And Ron Fast, I believe I met him on Facebook briefly or something. So these were your. <laughs> Ronnie. Good old Ronnie boy. (laughs) So you guys were all kind of in this group together. Was there other members too or was that? Um, I added a member later. Okay. And that's Spike. So he was just, he was in love with Ron. Long story. But anyway, 
adding him later, but basically Edwin and I were writing the song, uh-huh. and then they came up, and, and it was like, okay, well, this is this could work, you know, so we started practicing. What were some of the early public enema songs about? Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> I was going to bring some of the lyrics, actually, but <laughs> about the government, and then, um, oh, Who Needs I was a song about, it was an anti-love song, just things yeah. like that. Okay. And then, and then we, um, uh, we would share gigs with my Cuban friend, and they were glam. They were total glam. Oh, fun. Real pretty hair, spandex, which I still, I, I find that very appealing. Kind of a holdout from the New York Dolls a little exactly. bit. Exactly. But, you know, he's Cuban. Yeah, exactly. Oof. Yeah, Oof. Real pretty. Real pretty. And, um, <laughs> but we'd share gigs with those guys, and... Um, and that's kind of how, like, bands like X, who we have a, a common connection to or mm-hmm. love for, you you should tell the story, actually, about how X came up to San Luis Obispo. And, and wait, no, the show wasn't, no, yeah, it was at, um, it was in Pismo Beach. Pismo Beach at Rose Gardens, or what was it called? At the Ro- Rose Garden Gal- Ballroom. Yes. Which is kind of kitty corner from where Harry's is. Well, it's Poncho's Surf Shop, and exactly. I have friends that work there. So for anyone that's been to Poncho's Surf Shop in Pismo Beach, maybe you can explain what it used to look like and what the hell was going on. Was it like a little dingy bar, or was it just like um, a real stage, or what? It was a real stage with, it was a ballroom, so it had a big dance floor, and I heard it actually covered up an indoor swimming pool. Right, you did mention that. Yeah. That's, that's so creepy. That's the, that's the urban legend, and I think I think it is true. Yeah, and then I think you said that Jimi Hendrix played there. Somebody said that like a bunch of crazy yeah. people have played there over the years. Oh yeah, a lot of people rolled through, big names. Yeah, and I never saw. It was kind of like before my time, really. Yeah. Right, it sounds like it because that yeah. was kind of the groovy California like psychedelic kind of situation happening earlier, and then punk comes in, and it's a whole new thing. Right, and so. You know, and Pismo was pretty derelict back then. There was oh, a place, yeah. the Fun Zone, which was a kind of broken down amusement park, and um, was, <laughs> the Fun uh, Zone that yeah. sounds like a terrible, like like scary movie, little, little roller coaster. Yeah, it's like a broken down, like scary clowns, and that sounds it, it horrifying. Was, it was pretty funny. <laughs> and then there was a really amazing arcades with the big wooden pl- uh, oh, pinball man. and all that stuff. I mean, it was really cool. Yeah, I bet it was then. really, like, seedy and, yeah, like, it, old it was sailors and bikers and tattoo shops be. and, like, how Long Beach used to be. Yeah. yeah. And then um, it, it's got a really bad reputation. Um, but, and there were no other bars because Harry's had a monopoly. The mayor owned Harry's. So oh, he, made, he made a law... No live music in other places. Wow. Other places. So the Rose Garden would, um, it'd be like events. How do she? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we put a show together with all these bands and X was one yes. of them. Yes. Okay. So before we go too much into that, I want to um, talk about the flyer that you oh, showed right. me. So I brought it. Yes. And everyone that's on the flyer, you're like, holy shit. Like it's, it's uh, Black Randy. And Belinda's, which is Belinda's old band from the Go-Go's. She was, um, it was Black Brandy and the Metro Squad. And the Metro Squad. And the Metro Squad was Belinda and, I want to say Chappie, but I'm not sure who the other woman was. There was a bunch of people I've read that were in and out of that band. Yeah. Like many different singers. Right. Over the years. And just, they did avant-garde shit and. Yeah, they they just kind of went, they were like background singers and they just go like, shut, shut your mouth and what you do. And that was it. (laughs) That's, That's all they did. 
Wow, and then you just get to hang out and drink the whole night. Sounds like fun. Yeah. Um, so so please describe every every band that was on the flyer. Um, I know we have the flyer here, but I just I it was so cool. Who else? it was you guys, X, Black Granny, the Eyes. And the Eyes, uh Gaza X was in that band. Mm-hmm. And I think they just pogoed the whole time they played. <laughs> that's awesome. Pogo that's <laughs> that was the punk rock dance. Right. You don't see too much pogoing anymore. Um, you do when you try to see what's going on. It's true. As a short, yeah. as a shorter, exactly. as a, as a vert, or vertically challenged lady, I do find myself yeah. you have to. doing a little of that and then I just go with it. But then you have to fight the cell phones now, which is, I, yeah, well, I, I you can't fight the cell phones. Anyway. So, um, I would love to hear about how that show was. And also I want to hear about how you had to go pick up X in LA oh, right. and then, and bring them back. Tell me about that whole situation. Um, <clears throat> Exim and DJ did not have a ride up to Pismo, so it was actually, it wasn't me, but it was uh, Thumper had to go pick oh, him up. Oh, okay, okay. And he had a Willie's Jeep. Okay. And he said, like, Exim was in the back of the Jeep, and she had this big bag, and she was playing with dolls. <laughs> what a crazy person. <laughs> She's so crazy. I love her. But she, yeah, she was play- I guess she was playing with dolls in the back seat, and... She's, and they just made just made it back to the show. So was that right after Los Angeles came out, or mm. was it before? I wonder. I'd say it's right before. How exciting! Yeah. Um, it's before. Did they have that magic even back then? Oh yeah, like you knew. I mean, oh, they yeah. were such a unique band. Oh, they were. I, I fell in love with Billy Zoom. I was reading the notes that I wrote about the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you know, they're a guitar player. You wrote really hot. Oh, in your journal, you mean? Yeah, I wrote a whole little thing about the show. It was oh, pretty funny. I'm gonna have to read that. Um, so, funny. what I, what confuses me though is why wouldn't John Doe and X seem be traveling together? Were they not an item at that time? I don't think so. Really? But I thought then, you know I, I don't know. You know, it's interesting. Maybe they had to do something. Okay. Pick something up and. Okay, so Thumper know. had to bring the band in. Yeah. Um, what do you remember from that night? Otherwise, besides just X killing it, was there anything else interesting about oh, the, that show? The Deadbeats were really interesting. They had a little hostess, and she passed out all these flyers, and I still have it. They, they're little. The uh, Deadbeats were from Ventura, or wait. no? I think they're from LA too. Oh, oh okay. I don't know them. Okay. But the Deadbeats. Um, they had costumes, and they had they had a theme going on. Okay, that was cool. kind of different. Awesome, and. Um, Anyway, when, when I, I sent uh, all these things down to Exine, like, a couple weeks ago, and I got her uh, a, a reply back. She was tripping on the stuff. I go, oh, my God, you know, like, the, the deadbeat thing and the, the old posting. She really, really appreciated that. That's so. so cool. And I know after the show in Morro Bay, because when they played Morro Bay recently, you got to kind of reminisce a little bit. And what was that like? What were some of the memories that were oh, freaking was, them out? It was really sweet, because Exine... You know, she was just really kind of gushy over the poster, and she was saying, like, how it was back then. You know, you play a gig, but you didn't necessarily get the poster or whatever, because right. you were just there doing your thing. Yeah, yeah. You just didn't have any of that. Yeah. And even so, even I, I mean, like, I we have so many posters. We, we send them out everywhere we go. We send out a poster in advance. I never even take, frame those things. Yeah. I mean, even just records and CDs that I make, I'm like, uh, it's in a box somewhere. Like, it's so, like, the punk thing is just, like, just keep going. Right. Like a shark. Like, just keep moving forward. Like, I'm sure X was as desperate as their songs oh, may, yeah. might have sounded. Yeah. You know, that's what, they seemed real. And, like, a lot of the L.A. gritty bands felt real. Like, they felt like real artists that were, like, raw. 
you know? I'd say in the early days. Like, I, I think there was a certain time when the L.A. bands went south, in my opinion, as far as, like, moshing. When the hardcore ca- the, came The in. hardcore and... Um, Circle jerks. Circle jerks. See, I like the circle jerks a lot, but I feel like if I had been around during the time of, like, when the hardcore stuff was coming out, I would have been like, fuck these people, they suck, but I didn't have to go to those shows. I could just listen to the music. Well, it was interesting, because the San Francisco punks were totally different from the L.A. punks. I mean... In what way? um, They were more artistic and and more... um, accepting of other people you know like rock against yeah. race a lot more a lot more like, like you know gay culture and exactly and transgender and exactly. everyone's kind of dressing very you know non-gendered and yeah oh well, i did know ginger coyote uh, who's um, ginger coyote forgive me she she started a magazine called globe okay. oh okay yeah, yeah 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 but i knew ginger when she was going through the change Oh, and, wow. Um, I knew her quite well, actually, because, you know, it was such a small group of people. And um, Ginger Coyote. Okay. And Coyote stands for Cast Off Your Tired Ethics. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. So was it uncommon to see people transitioning in, um, back then? I feel like there was yeah. less vis- a lot less vis- visibility until very recently, but maybe not in the punk scene back then. Maybe that's where the queer people were all chilling because they kind of couldn't live anywhere else. Yeah, was it like that? Well, in her case, um, she was very manly looking anyway. She had a really long horse face. Uh You know what I mean? (laughs) No shade, but... (laughs) I'm sorry. But but Ginger, she was very much a part of the scene. She kept to it. And then she she moved, I think, to New York and started white trash debutantes. Okay. You know, I mean, she, she became a legend. Yeah. In her own right. Yeah. With all this and, and hung around with, you know, pretty amazing people. Wow, that's and crazy. And through the Punk Globe magazine. But I do remember her. I do remember the old trashed out ginger back, <laughs> back when her hair was, you know, an inch long and purple. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was pretty crazy back then. But um, that was one of the one of the characters up there. But anyway, San Francisco is more exciting. Yeah, yeah. And L.A. was a lot different. Um, yeah, maybe it's just like the difference in the cities and the sure. shows. Each and little then, borough is so different. Right, and then L.A. has more of a fast pace. But the two, when they met, it, it wasn't a good thing. It's like L.A. kind of came up with attitudes like, we're just going to be, you know, beat up the San Francisco punks and things right. like that. So it wasn't a good, in my opinion, it was not a good um, combination of the two. Did you drop? Did you drive down to LA often to see bands? Um, yeah, I did. And did you see like bands like the Germs and the Flesh Eaters and Alice Bag and um, um, some all of those, those bands? Or... Some of those bands. But then I was going down to see the New York Dolls and bands like that. Right. That Again, touring yeah, bands exactly. that are just coming through. But New York Dolls, I thought, didn't mm-hmm. they played some shows in the Whiskey? But not. A, they were very short lived. Yeah. Right. Because I did see Johnny Thunders. I remember going down and um, at the whiskey, and he played maybe three songs, and he fell over. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Right. <laughs> just you know. Yeah, they were um, just so fucked up. Yeah. Um, that's that's cool. So you got to kind of see, like, you saw like that the hardcore thing happening, which was such a weird, like, vi- almost violent. Oh, very violent. young suburban kids coming out and like getting their aggressions out and kind of like today sure and the music i think the music has a lot of merit and a lot of the bands 
that were coming up when I was living in LA um, many years later were very inspired by skate punk and by this like adrenaline fueled kind of aggressive music. So I, I, I totally get it, Mm -hmm. but I wonder, I mean, if I had been there in that time, I think I would have much rather been at like a blaster show or like, you know, something a little bit more intellectual because that's what attracts me to the, the LA scene of that time. And why I think X is like, the the perfect example of that scene because it was intellectual it was weird it was punk it was irreverent it was wild it was but it was everything and And it it worked really well we miss that now i mean we really need i when i put bills together i try to put bands together that don't always sound exactly the same like let's have a a couple different genres on a bill like why does it always have to be like one narrow you Uh, know yeah that's that is true. Um, so that if we can learn anything from bands like X, it's like just let your freak flag fly, you know. And, and it works well because you have so many different. You know, you have Xine doing her thing with the poetry, and then you've got Billy brushing Zoom. dolls. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he's got the Rocky Billy thing. Yeah, and just and then the Americana thing. Yeah, and, and then a really good drummer that does different kinds of beats. You yeah, know, and it, it worked really well. Yeah, I mean, DJ Bonebreak was basically like a classically trained percussionist. Right. To like, if you watch him, he's doing. He's like making eggs. Yeah. He's like. Yeah. Playing drums but making eggs and like, <laughs> yeah, he has fu- funny beats. You know? He does have funny beats, but it um, works. And it, and uh, that's yeah, I'd say they're probably my favorite LA. They are just punk, quintessential punk band out of all of them. But then th- there were good bands, and there were other venues. You know, you could go to um, oh, there was the Mask, yeah, the Owls yeah. Bar, and then uh, Atomic Cafe and a Hong. Uh, Let's see. Madame Wong's. Wong's. And and we played at Mr. T's. Oh, yeah. I was just there recently. Um, They've redone it. And I don't have all that funky weird stuff in the back. No, not anymore. So I used to go to punk shows there, and it was still, like, all that stuff you probably remember from the 70s or 80s was literally behind a curtain. because the really fun stuff. Because the the, the lanes were all covered up because it was just such, like, a shithole. Um, but they've completely redone it, and they took all of this amazing, um, like, all the memorabilia you're talking about, like, the weird, old, crazy... All the big bowling balls and the weird... Yeah, know, just, like, there. just weird-ish. Mm-hmm. They they redid everything, and they, like, kind of, like, repurposed all that stuff on the wall. So, it, although it feels oh. like a theme version of Mr. T's Bowl, and now it's not even called Mr. T's Bowl, we played there recently, actually, and there's a front room now where you can play, and there's a glass you know, big glass wall. So as you're playing, the people outside can like see you and come in, which is kind of cool. Um, cause there's a lot of foot traffic right there. But anyways, it's, I remember it being really squalor and gross and, and, and drinking out in the alley and stuff. And there's still that mural out in the alley with like the Mr. T's bowl, like mural that's all like peeling away. But when you walk inside, if you get a chance um, to ever go back, wow. you'll be like, you'll just be like, I'm at once so impressed, but also so depressed by this. Because <laughs> now it's like bowling's like eighty dollars, you know, to bowl. And but anyways, that's so cool. It's a legend. Yeah, that right was there. A, that was a fun place to play. We we played. Um, actually, one of the bands that played with us was the Seeds. Oh oh shit! Yeah. No way! Because yeah. they, they were doing like a reunion thing. Yeah. yeah because yeah. the Seeds were late sixties. Yeah. 
You're pushing too hard. Yeah, exactly. You're pushing too and hard. They had, um, <laughs> they had sitars and Sky. He, he looked like uh, Charlie Manson. Oh, those, that's so. when he was off the deep end, right? Yeah. Oh, so it was crazy. There was that Seeds documentary that came to the Fremont and Slow. I don't oh, know if you went to that a couple years ago. And I went and dressed very 60s, and they had a dance off. And um, the bass player from that band, I can't remember his name, but um, he had to pay me like $200 because it was like a, you get 200 bucks if you win. And I only won because um, the last two people was, it was me and a pregnant lady. Oh, wow. <laughs> because people are too scared to like really yeah. do the competition. We had to go in front of everyone at the Fremont on the stage and dance. And um, he was, he was, you could tell he didn't want to give you the money at the end of the night. Like, cause I was like, Hey, I won. And he was like, Oh, good for you. Here's a seed CD. And I was like, Pay me, <laughs> um, and then I'll never forget. He was like, "Just, just don't do drugs. If if you get anything from this film, just drugs are bad." And yeah, I think going through like this the psychedelic '60s experience is not unlike probably the '80s punk thing in some ways because there was a lot of drugs. But I don't know, um, a little bit. Yeah, there there was a lot of drugs, <laughs> but but, a, but um, not the kind of drugs that would make you like go absolutely crazy and turn you into a cult leader and make you another Charlie, Charlie Manson situation. Right. Exactly. So I must say, uh, San Luis had a big bout of heroin back in the 80s or, uh, see the end of the seventies and in the eighties. That was all over California though, wasn't it? I guess so, but it it really got into the musician circle here. Mm -hmm. And luckily, I wasn't really even living here at the time. I was living in England. Oh, England. But when I come back, I, I was shocked, you know, at, at some of the people. And, um, you know, because I've got two kids and things, and I totally different life. Right. For yeah, a while yeah. There. What? But, but so, we did funny things. So, talk a little bit about Public Enema and how that like what that group was about like if i was to come see you what would that be like and then kind of other bands that you've been in um the first well our first show we played at harry's and they didn't know we were coming Uh-oh. so it was a gorilla performance oh you know? no you just showed um, up at harry's yes, exactly and it, back then it was a cowboy bar and this is pismo cowboy. beach again we're back in pismo beach hilarious you yeah. just showed up with your stuff and i had a whip on stage back then ah, that's awesome so it was it was pretty funny and then we went back two weeks later, right? And Harry's is on a corner, so there's a back door and a front door. And um, anyway, someone, we went back two weeks later to perform again, and somebody called in the sheriffs, so we ran out the back door. And so somebody filmed all this, but oh I don't know what happened to that. Is it not on YouTube? I want to see that. Oh, I wish I could. And then um, we used to do things like go down to the radio stations, because radio stations used to have real people in them. Like wow, KCOZ, I know. KCOZ was behind Ben Franklin's. Oh, wow, really? Mm-hmm. That's like right on the street, actually, from where yeah, we're at right now. Yeah. And there was a screen door, so we would open up a screen door, and we had a we had the Willie's Jeep, and then we have a, like a box of records with uh-huh. us, our, you know, whatever punk records we had. And we would take over the radio station. We That's could do so that. Rad. You just like sh- it sounds like you would just go in and strung arm people. We so did. It sounds very like eighties movie. Like well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the guys looked pretty threatening. You know, they had yeah. leather jackets and yeah. you know, they just punk. You know, yeah. they, and uh, people didn't know what to think of it around here. And yeah. How many it. punks? How many punks do you think were in Slow County at the time? Well, I think I drew them all in that one little. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to look at that little diagram that I. That I drew up that when the X show 
in Pismo Beach, there was probably, what, a dozen people there? I mean, even Exine was commenting, like, gosh, you know, there was just hardly anybody there. There was, what, 12 people? Yeah. You know? <laughs> you, to you, you're like, that's a huge crowd. Yeah. She, <laughs> and, like, I drew everybody on, on there, like, everybody that I could remember. Oh, yeah. There. It was mainly the bands and a couple of friends. Right. You know? I, I remember you showing me that, actually. Yeah the, yeah, the the picture of the people. For some reason, you knew it was an important night. It's really funny. Yeah, it was a... Because it was an it important really night was. for... For history and for, you know... Well, it was probably the first real punk rock show in uh, the Central Coast. I'm not even going to argue with that. Yeah. You're probably right about that. I, I pretty much can guarantee that. Yeah. You better hold on to that thing, because that poster's going to want to go in some sort of um, museum at some point. I, I just saw the X... At the Grammy Museum, they did the X exhibit, and it was all X memorabilia and, and posters oh, wow. and... Oh my God, Xene's pin collection, it was awesome. Um, but I could totally see that flyer being in there because it was all early California punk shows, oh you know? Gosh. And um, maybe there'll be something that's like a retrospective on like, um, they could call it like One Horse Town. Something like that. One yeah. Horse Town. Yeah, horse. Uh, <laughs> punk, <laughs> punk in a One Horse Town. And, and that could be like in that exhibit. Yeah, but anyways. It, but, but that's the kind of thing we would do. We would show up at uh, different venues and just plug in and that never went south huh um not really because people didn't really know what to do they didn't know how to react and so <laughs> we would just show up and take over and some of these bands are still talking about what we did wow i mean i run into these guys and they're like wow remember you know you guys came in and took over and we were just so scared <laughs> i must try this at some point it's, it's it doesn't work funny. anymore but i'm gonna get i'm just gonna be like like in that Molly Crew video, girls, 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 yeah. when they go into the strip club and like Vince Neil like throws a knife on the table and it's like, that's my table. Yeah. You know, like that, like that, like that kind of shit. Like that attitude. <laughs> um, that's hilarious. Vince Neil. Oh, you have my, a Vince Neil story? Yeah. Oh my, my friend, God, you have to tell me the Vince Neil story. My friend Louie, um, when he went down to LA to make it big, you know. As they, they were the like pretty, you do. Boys, mm-hmm. um, he had a band called Cutthroat and they, they were very pretty. And anyway, he was trying out for Motley Crue. Oh, no, really? Before yeah. Vince Neil? Yeah. Before they got Vince? He was on the third audition, and he screwed up. He, he didn't go to oh that audition, God. so they picked Vince. But he has pictures and things with him and Nikki, and uh, Louis was working on, he was tinting car windows. That was his job. Vince Neil was? No, oh, Louis. Louis was. Okay. And so... Nikki Six rolled in with his car one day, and so uh, he was oh going through God. Nikki's car like, "Oh, look at the movies Nikki watches!" And oh, we got a tape, you know, studio session. Oh, let's hear it. Oh my yeah, God, pretty funny. That's pretty funny. I imagine um, Nikki Six like driving a really beat up like muscle car, like black. No, no it was it was, it was uh, just some shit car. <laughs> no, it was, it was a really nice car because in in the video, there's also a Testarossa. Uh huh. You know and. I think that one belonged to Ty Warner. It was like all these really hot shot people were kind of right, cars, giving cars, them things. Yeah. That's crazy. So that was kind of a funny story with Louie, but he probably wouldn't be the Louie is today if he was a Vince Neil. Oh my God, that is so <laughs> crazy. Yeah. An alternate universe where Vince Neil, what would Vince Neil have done if he hadn't been in Molly Crew? Like, been an asshole somewhere. Else. Yeah. <laughs> like own a tanning bed place in the Caribbean or something. I just imagine him being like in some sort of like sandals resort, like, right. you know, something, something tan and tan and beachy. Yeah. I can see that. <laughs> a little beach babe. 
Um, so tell me about some other bands that you started after, because I know you said okay. that Public Enema was sort of like the starting ground for you, but you weren't necessarily as deep into like, yeah, the Yeah, the, the guys got kind of weird after a while, and, um, you know, and I, I still wanted to do music, so I, I found um, some other people, and we had a band called Slammer, and we were actually pretty pretty good. We, we wrote a few songs, but we did a lot of twisted covers. Okay. And really fun, really fast. And the guitar player looked just like Joey Ramone. Kind of cute. We used to call him Joey. <laughs> but that's when my hair was, I think, seven different colors back in the day. Wow. It's like a big shock of rooster. Which hair. is not a thing you would see in Slow County no. ever. Like, huh. ever. No, I, um, I think I was the first one to have that. So job. what kept you guys working and playing music here if you were like unable to express yourself, you know, like what would keep you here and to well, want to start a band here? We were, you know, busy working, going to school here and we would play at the dark room a lot in different places. But like, why around. would you want to stay in Slow County is my question. Like why, why weren't you like, let's just, I know you moved to other places, also yeah, England, but, yeah. but like, a lot of people ask me that. They're like, why are you still here? And it's a hard question to answer. It, it, it is, but then, you know, you have the beach it's, and other things. It's home. That it's home. You know, you it's got the family. beach. You got nice, uh, clean air usually. You, right. You could get around a lot easier. It's a nice um, place to come home to. Exactly. When it's, you it's, travel, mm-hmm. and then you can come home to slow. Right. So. I mean, and back then, it was kind of like a challenge almost, too. How so? Oh, because you were like, there's nothing here. We have to start from scratch. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of a challenge to keep it going. But we, you know, we started getting a following. And so that was kind of cool. So Slammer got a following. Yeah, a scene started happening. And, um, you know, we did a lot of shows. And I can't remember why we fell apart. I think just people kind of moved away. Did you do recordings as well? Do you, um, do you we, regret that? We we well actually we have a lot of recordings, okay. but it's on two inch tape, right? But in different places. <laughs> so many of these bands, it's like so funny because like they either have one recording, right. like one a seven inch, or nothing, and it's like, man, the, you know, there are recordings out there. And then from Slammer, I was in a band called The Flies, and The Flies actually that was kind of like our power pop thing. And it was oh, like cool. the, the Blondie thing. And, and cool. Yeah, it was... That's like right up my alley. Yeah, it, it was a fun band. And um, we do have some recording on, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Reverb Nation or something. Oh, okay. We're, we're, we're in there. Oh, the really? Yeah, okay. Somebody, somebody put something in there. And was um, this the 80s now? Or are we still in the yeah, 70s? Okay, we're in the 80s. 80s. And Is this when, like, you were talking about New Wave? This, right. The whole... It's New Wave, and then there was this weird confusion on, like, well, wait, what's punk? What's New Wave? What's happening? Well, New Wave <laughs> was actually before punk. It was, like, it was a new wave of music, and that's what everybody right, referred right, right. to yeah, yeah. it. And it, it it was a new wave of music, but it hadn't been all categorized. You know? Exactly. That's like, where the confusion um, came from. Exactly. Yeah. And then after a while, like, the punk people, they didn't like the term New Wave, like, oh, that's sissy stuff or whatever, yeah. and then... Yeah, and then New Wave became, what, the, the Young Romantics and all, all these other... Yeah. Young Romantic? New Romantics. New Romantics. I was going <laughs> to say, like, did I get that wrong? I think that was a But I know wave. the New Romantics were maligned by everyone. <laughs> everyone was just like, they suck. Yeah, but, I, you know, man, it's so funny because I really love... I would call the cult... Uh-huh. A New Romantic band? A New Romantic band because yeah. of the way they looked. Sure, sure. You know, I mean, it was just... And out of that period, it was like, you know... 
Roger Smith and Susie and the Banshees and all that stuff kind of before goth was a term, I think. God, that's pre-goth? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But I think that comes, it was like the, I don't know. Yeah, I think it it would be in that category. It's kind of a hard one. But but anyway. um, Is this, was this the period of time where people would just yell out of their car, yo, Devo, (laughs) to anyone who looked punk? (laughs) But yeah, we yeah, people used to yell at us all the time. But, um, but the flies, um, the, the scene was even getting bigger around here, you know, because there was art departments out of Cuesta. Mm-hmm. Like we, we actually would draw people, and we would play at Cal Poly and places, and and up and down the coast. Um, so it was like a little following. That's so cool. Yeah, people were kind of catching on, and you kept it going in slow, which I admire. And we kept it going, and. You know, other little bands would spring up and stuff, too, but we were kind of, like, um, probably the main one at that time, I would say. What was your role in most of the bands you were in, or did it change a lot? I was always a front person. Okay. Singing. Singing, telling bad jokes. Writing. (laughs) (laughs) Telling jokes. (laughs) Did you naturally kind of go to that role, or did you find yourself, you know, like, does someone have to push you to the front, or did Um, you know? No, it was just natural. You knew? yeah, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was like you know, we want you to be the singer, you know, we, we want to do this. Does that connect that to your approach. life these days and like what you do in your life now? Do you see connections in between what you were doing in the punk scene versus now in terms of performing at all or doing anything like in the public eye? Um, I would like to get back and do something, you know, like with Louie, we've been kind of like practicing a little bit but you know we haven't really because he lives in LA yeah but it'd be fun to do something right and there's again. nothing wrong with phases of your life changing oh, no. and like you know you go through weird phases where like you know you're being a mom or you're right. doing this career thing or whatever but it's always it's like riding a bike sure I mean know? if that's inside of you I just wonder where yeah. that where you put that outlet if you're not doing it in your daily life now like it's still in you like yeah. when I know people people that are front people they're, that's just kind of who they are, and it's like you can try to like kind of cover it up a little bit in your day job or whatever it is, but you need some sort of like, you know. Well, that's kind of like right now. It's just trying to put on a few shows, mm-hmm. which is right, and and pulling X back up here and uh, X scene. I, I know they're coming back in December, so I'm working on that, right. trying to get them up here. And being do. part of putting on shows is so much a part of... Oh, it is. It's yeah. a way to keep you connected to it. Exactly. So I think that's really cool that you're doing that. Yeah. But um, then yeah. other shows, too, because I, I could bring in comedy. Um, I have friends that are classical sure. musicians and, and different, you know, just different varieties, but with the same goal of giving back to the community and yeah. doing good work is kind of where I'm at right now. I just appreciate it because I know it's really hard still here to do that. And I've done my Mm -hmm. fair share of, you know, I did a zine for two years and I put on shows and brought people and a lot of the things that you are doing and are doing. And it's a kind of a thankless job that if you don't get personal gratification Mm -hmm. from it, then just don't do it because it's not for any sort of a validation. And you may put a show on and you may have 12 people. But they might be the coolest 12 people exactly. in the vicinity, and you have to be cool with that. And that's mm-hmm. what people don't understand about living here, and they don't get. So when my friends are touring from Seattle or L.A., whatever, I'm like, you can stop here. But know that this is not the natural environment for this punk rock stuff, and you're going to be a little bit of fish out of water. You're going to have to just 
be okay with that. Like, you're not going to have 100 people, um, you know, showing up to cheer you and know your songs and sing all your songs. So, little, just a little barking from our, our friend Manning over here. Um, so tell me about some of the other bands that you've been in and like, what era are we in now? Like, I feel like it's cool. We're going from like the start of punk to like the eighties to new wave to like power pop to, you know, um, I went back to punk rock after the flies. Um, and I had, it was, uh, Sal Garza on drums and then Merlin Monroe Robertson on guitar and Supertramp on bass. And we, we were a power force punk band. We were really influenced by Killing Joke and like real driven beats. Yeah. And uh, a lot of political stuff. We were writing about Bobby Sands and uh, just political issues at the time. So it was more of a hard punk. Yeah. Uh, with interesting, we had we had all kinds of different kinds of rhythms and things that we uh -huh. were playing with, but but it was a good band. AK-47, and we were playing with another band at the time, and they actually named us. AK-47. You guys sound like an AK-47. Okay, that's a great name. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I was going to ask if it was from the UK sub song. No. <laughs> it it kind of sounds like something that you would, like a, a gangster rapper would have now, or like, yeah, you know, cop killer or something. It's yeah. a little bit, but in the context of the time, it probably was kind of tongue-in-cheek. It was. Whereas now you're like, I can't call anything. Oh, no, anything. No, 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 you can't. You're canceled. You get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. So AK-47, wow. So this was like a like your third or fourth project. Fourth, fourth wow. Yeah. So, and that's pretty much... Did you record some things? Um, that band, there's a lot of recordings that disappeared. Someone, oh, darn. Got them. I'm okay. just such a stickler for that because... Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, have, I have cassette recordings. Good. And the thing to do is to take those and to put them mm -hmm. on a CD. Yeah. Um, Although people are buying, yeah, people are buying cassettes. We make cassettes, actually. Yeah. People buy them. It's ridiculous. But yeah, you should probably do that, like, yesterday. I mean, I have some, but they're not, they're not really that good. But I but there's people out there yeah. that have other recordings. Was, was the desire for that. you guys not so much to record? It was just to get out there and play? Because I think um, a lot of the earlier bands, that yeah. they weren't trying to be, like, you know, or they'd go into the studio for, like, I remember, like, reading the Agent Orange for, like, Living in Darkness, which is one of my favorite record punk records of all time. Like, they went in for, like, two days and, yeah. like, recorded the whole thing. And then, like, That's... they used trash can lids instead of cymbals because right. for some reason there was something, ish an issue with the cymbals. And, like, when I always try to remember that when I do mm -hmm. recording because we just do it real slapdash as well and try to just get it done, get it cheaply done. But, um, yeah, you can make a really rad yeah. punk record yeah. really cheaply and quickly, but... You have to be wanting to do that. And it sounds like some of these projects you were in, it was more just about the expression, getting out there, playing with bands, not necessarily like, okay, we want to do like all these studio things. We, we actually, all the bands did go into the okay. studios, but some of the studios are gone. I think Rick Sutton's still up there. He has tapes. Um, oh, yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. Lumpy. There was a guy named Lumpy and then another guy. Um, Lumpy. Lumpy. <laughs> he was actually a good uh, engineer. Good old then, Lumpy. Um, oh, I can't remember. Ed Sandor was another one. I think he went on to Disney World and he works wow. in sound or something. But but they're out there. 
you know, the, the thing is to try to... You're driving me crazy with that. I just... Yeah, but I would have just... two-inch tapes, yeah. which I think they disintegrate. They do. Yeah, so I'm like, like, I think you take them out and they just shatter or yeah. something I've heard. But. Yeah. It hasn't been that long. Uh, it's been a while. It's been many years. But hopefully they've been taken but care of. If, and also, we have a really good climate here, so it's not yeah. like it's too wet or too dry. Like, maybe they're... Maybe they're okay. We'll so, talk about that next time. Yeah, well, we'll have to, yeah, we'll have to get those So what happened after AK-47? Um, that was it for, for as far as bands. Okay. Yeah, I kind of stopped with the band thing for for a long time. So What what inspired you to keep going with it? Um, like, back in the day? Yeah, back? like, uh, I guess what I'm asking is, in life, like, a lot of times it's a phase where you're young, you're punk, blah, 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 and then you go do real life stuff. Yeah. Do you feel like you just kept going with the punk music and being in bands because some part of you needed to do that? Or, like, kind of what kept you doing it? So a lot of people kind of drop off, or they... Um, I still, I'm, you know, I have a lot of musicians around me. Yeah. I mean, now. Yeah, yeah. And... You know, I have a musician living in my house right now. It's uh, James Rivers, okay. Johnny Rivers' son. But anyway, um, so we do have a a studio room mm-hmm. in the house where you can actually play music. It's set up for playing music, which yeah. we do sometimes. Um, I'm friends with a lot of bands around here. So, yeah. And just wanting to put on more shows and then do a project. It's just always been Go part of your life then. Oh, just, yeah, but I, I'm constantly yeah. listening to music. You know, yeah, so yeah. It's, I try to keep up with a lot of the new stuff. You know, listen to KCPR or, or yeah, different. Yeah. I, I listen to Soma FM from uh-huh. San Francisco. I, I like alternative music to listen to, and I'll go see shows it's just part of who you are it's yeah. just like it's, it's not supporting musicians yeah. and yeah. even if i'm not playing i want to be supporting yeah, yeah the musician and and just knowing all these people from the past and, yeah and you know people who are doing it now which you know rock i think rock and roll keeps you young god yes you know because if you look at people i don't know i'm 63 so yeah i would not think you're 63 <laughs> <laughs> not at all <laughs> That's incredible. Honestly, you have such a youthful vibe and well, I, great know. skin too. Oh, so thank you. so I, you're wearing your sunscreen. I can tell. Yeah, I sunscreen every day. <laughs> that's the, that's the way to do it. That's the key. But yeah. um, you know, it's an it attitude. does keep you young. It's an yeah. attitude. It's an attitude. God, I love yeah. to hear that because I feel like sometimes I'm I'm definitely still young. I'm 32, so I mean I'm still baby. I I know that my husband's 13 years older than me. But I sometimes feel like it's such a young person's game and like it's just, you just get tired of the, just the way, I always like in playing like places like LA as like literally writing your legacy in sand because you could play LA every six months for 10 years and not get anywhere because in every six months the entire universe of LA changes. changes, This club's not hot, this club's hot, this venue's this, this band is not cool anymore, this band is just like too much. And um, I get a little annoyed by that, and I get a little annoyed with, like, I love that I can reach people with social media, but I, I feel like half my job now as a musician is doing social media shit, and so I sometimes feel resentful of that, and I feel just, like, yeah. kind of, like, Nair, like, crotchety about stuff, and then I remember, like, oh, this is all in good fun, like, I'm traveling around the country so I can sleep on floors and play music for people, whether it's five people or 50 mm-hmm. people, and that that is 
Like that practice is what keeps me enjoying my life and energetic and expressing myself and feeling seen and heard and, and, and not just me, but like, but women in general, guitarists, mm-hmm. women guitarists, it's like, it's just this double-edged thing with, with the youth culture. Yeah. And I think no matter what your age is, you can, you can choose to kind of be bitter as a young person. You can choose to be bitter as an old person. You can choose, you can choose that attitude. And like the punk attitude is like, what can I do to serve it? the community, not what can you give me? Right. And like what DIY shit can I do tomorrow to like make a cool band come to my one horse town or come to some one horse town. Like we, my band does where we go to these places where it's like there's, I wear a swimsuit on stage and I play guitar. And so I think some people are just like, Whoa, like where the fuck did you come from? Mm -hmm. But I made the effort to show up in Milwaukee and I'm in Milwaukee now. And like, you know, that's the magic of it. Yeah. You know? Performing. And then, I mean, look at, like, Joan Jett. Oh, God. I mean, she's freaking amazing. She, I remember seeing her for the first time at the Mid-State Fair in Paso. I was there. I was there. You were? (laughs) I was there for four shows. Oh, my God. I remember she did the um, cover of um, uh, Now I Want to Be Your Dog. Yeah. And it, I remember it was really hot, like it always is, and she wanted all the leather. And I was just looking around at all these people in khakis and, like, fanny packs and just thinking... She's blowing minds right now, you know? I want to do that. Yeah, Like, I wanted to do that. She's uh, one of my favorites. Did you ever meet her? No, but I did meet the drummer. I met the band, because they were hanging out at the little tiki bar over there and talked to the sound man from both shows. What tiki bar? At the Mid-State Fair. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's that little castaways. Oh, yeah. You you met them at the fair. Yeah. Oh, how crazy. Because the drummer is the same drummer from uh, Billy Idol. Billy really? Something. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. So that was fun. You have a good way of sneaking up on these bands and like, well, you know, you just kind of mingling. Just treat them normal. Exactly. You talk yeah. about normal you shit. Don't, you don't talk about music, right? You know? <laughs> they don't want to talk about that. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> you know, it's like I know Billy Zoom absolutely adores ice cream. Really? Yeah. Good yeah, to know. Just stuff like that. Yes. You, know, you yeah, can bullshit yeah. with people. Yeah, it's and true. You can get away with a lot more. It's true. Yeah. Except yeah. for this podcast where I want to hear all the nerdy <laughs> shit. So moving on, <laughs> did you have another band as well after that? After AK forty seven, or was that it? That's it. To be continued. Part, yeah, to be continued. That, that I mean, you know, little projects, but nothing, nothing really mm-hmm. happening. So, but it's more. Um, yeah, I'm still in touch with you know a lot of these old guys. You know, um, Edwin's latest band's called the Ding Dong Devils, and they're really into the tiki thing. Okay. Where are they from? They're in L.A. Oh, cool, cool. But, you know, I just saw them, um, I went down in March, um, Cafe Nella. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And, it's a good venue. Yeah. And Moist and Needy put on a, a 30-year reunion was it 30 wow (laughs) 30 year reunion one day i'm gonna be doing that shit like no how was it 30 years yeah (laughs) and edwin had all his you know crazy outfits and you know he wears really silly costumes and then um and he was in public enema he he was the bass player and he was a guy that we used to write the songs together so i know how he works um and then crash was there crash mccreary playing guitar and he became really big in hollywood he designed Jurassic Park creatures. Crazy. You'll see his name in all kinds of movies. Crazy. But very famous artist with uh, Stan Winston. And um, but anyway, so it was really fun to you're, see them. And you're so still, still in touch. touch with those guys. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm still in touch with some of the Slammer guys. Uh, Merlin, 
and Sal I'm still in touch with and so you know like I'm in touch with most of the mm-hmm. old members of the bands yeah and did you know a band called the Rodders oh yeah that's uh, Fester Swollen yes guys. yeah like so bizarre I, I didn't know anything about them and they had that great song set on my, my face, face. Stevie yeah. Nicks I want to taste your steamy clit. Yeah. I think it's how it goes. <laughs> yeah. It, um, it's got um, From Rod, or no, Rodney. Rodney yeah. So Rodney actually has been playing our new record. Oh. And um, in fact, I have a standing date to meet him. He goes cool. to Cantor's on Sunday nights if people want to meet him. Um, he's been a great supporter of our music. And, and how that happened, though, this is so weird, was Mike in Tokyo, Rogers... That's his, like, his DJ name. He was in the Rodders back in the day and lived in Ventura. Um, and he was in the band with Fester Swollen. And then he became Rodney's assistant on the Bing- Rodney Bingenheimer show. And then he moved to Tokyo, and now he has his own radio show. So um, he was the first one to play our songs, and then Rodney, like, saw that. And then it was like, oh, cool, well, Mike's doing it. You know, Mike's his old assistant yeah. and whatever, um, has a good taste or whatever. Then I'll play Haley and the Crushers, too. So it was like that weird oh, thing. Wow. And then Mike was like, oh, yeah, you know Fester. And I was like, holy shit. Like, that's, that's what I – I know. And then I heard all these crazy stories from yeah, Mike and yeah, about – Sit on my face, and how people would literally call up yeah. at the show and just be like, "Play sit on my face, Stevie Nicks." Like it was and such Fleetwood a. Fleetwood Mac was going to sue them, and oh, I didn't hear that part. Ugly, yeah. God, that's so funny. Fleetwood Mac, yeah, it was a big, it was a big scandal back then. <laughs> it was kind of I, I can't believe they got that much attention, but I guess they were. It was getting played on the radio quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Rodney's a great guy. I really um, love Rodney. In fact, I have some recordings on cassette of early Rodney. Oh, how shows. cool! I'll have to do that sometime. Yeah. Um, you know, he still has a show on XM radio. But they put him, yeah. like, way... Some weird hour, isn't it? Like, it's two so, in the morning No, it's Sunday, Sunday or... from 6... It was Sunday from 6 to 8.30, I want to say, but now he has four hours of music. So they've, extend, they've extended it. But it's on Little Steven's Garage... Um, Ro- Little Steven's Underground Garage on C- Sirius XM... 68 or something. I'm going to just say it wrong. But um, there's wow. some great shit on there. And, like, all the bands that are on there are bands I either like or I find out about them. And I'm like, oh, my God, I fucking love this. Mm-hmm. So thank God Ronnie's doing it. Oh, nice and his assistant was like, hey, if you ever want to meet him, like, he's at Cantor's Deli in LA on Sundays. And he always likes to meet the musicians that really? he's playing. And so I need to do that. Because I went down. I got to do my ride with Angeline. <laughs> Uh-huh. If you know Angeline and the pink Corvette. Right. And I won a contest to do that. And I thought, well, this may be my last chance to meet Rodney. Because these L.A. icons are going to be... Like, Billy Zoom doesn't live in L.A. anymore, but L.A. icon. You know, right. like, when Billy Zoom's playing guitar, you got to go see him. And I kind of feel like that about Rodney. Like, Definitely. you got to do it yeah. while he's still doing his thing. Exactly. And you can tell he's excited about the music, on you know, on the air. He's, like, definitely, you know, lost a lot of pep in his... Um, delivery, mm-hmm. just because he's just a little bit more reserved, I think. I mean, he's always been kind of, like, well, I think cool. They, I think they really kind of pushed him in, into the back a lot. You know? Yeah, he, talk about a thankless job. I mean, he's yeah. done a lot for a lot of bands. He used to have a club, Bingenheimer's. Right. Yeah. Which was his English, it was like an so English cool. disco or something. Yeah, exactly. A lot of um, stuff. I talk about that. a job where he does probably doesn't get the love he deserves. I mean, yeah. he does from a small little group that still idolizes and cares about his his music and his, um, not his music, but his, his radio station. 
radio station, his radio show. But, um, yeah, I mean, people should really give fun. him some love. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that probably this month. Got to do it. That would be... <laughs> so many questions for him no no kidding what a classic i wonder if he still has that little rodney hair does does he (laughs) his hair is on point like it's it's his hair on a bad day is better than my hair so yeah he's a classic yeah so i want to go through some of these awesome things with you before we go into it though can you explain so what this book is it's called international discography of the new wave by George Martha Defoe, volume 1982 to 83. And it looks like it's literally like somebody just... It's every band. <laughs> every band's listed in there. Like, but this looks like someone kind of did it on their own, right? Yeah. Like, with one of those old, old, old computers, maybe? Is that why? Or a typewriter? Computer. Yeah, it even looks like a uh, typeset. All right, so I'm just going to give a couple here. So we got... Square haircuts, squats, Sputniks. Oh, there's like five bands called Spy. This is like, so now if you want to start a band, you have to Google it to see if someone has the name. But right. back then back you're then, like, you just look in here. <laughs> well, yeah. before this existed. <laughs> but it, it shows all their recordings they did. Teacher's Cut. Teardrop Explodes. That's a famous. I mean, it has like everything. Everything is in here. Like, I kind of feel like I would get some good, like, ideas for song titles just by looking at this book. This is, like, a... This is the kind of thing that you would see in, like, a punk rock exhibit in, mm-hmm. like, a museum. Pretty much. Right? Yeah, I mean, so. there's probably only a couple of these around, right? I, I don't think... Uh, I've never seen another one. I've and never it was given seen to me. Um, Who gave this to you? Uh, a guy that had an English record company called Epigram. Epigram. Yeah, he was a friend. He was over here, and um, I mean, he would he would send me little recordings of the latest bands he was doing. And but anyway, he sent me this book too. Oh, Zero Boys. That's a great band. Living in the eighties. Fabulous band. Uh, a lot of zeros in here. Mm-hmm. I'm sure X is in here, or maybe oh, not. Yeah, have, I'm. Sh- yeah, they are. And these are records. You know, this reminds me of is um. I found all of these. Um, zines at the sunset swap meet um what, which one am i thinking of thrasher mm-hmm. and another one i can't remember what it was something some punk zine but on the back they would have all these like listings of bands and like like please write me or yeah, like yeah. looking for this and that and it really like touched me because it made me realize like oh like this is the kind of you know the desire to start bands and to like not be alone was has always been a thing right and it was. without the internet they people were obviously able to to get together and since well, we, we had to work yeah. at it that um because <laughs> you'd have to go to the record store and pick up a copy of like nme right or, which is no longer in existence or cream magazine or something and read about who Bands, you were interested yeah. in and like when they were going to release something and then you run down to the record store and then Oh, the Ramones. Oh, and it's on a Tuesday, you yeah, know, like the, the record and, and, but, you know, and then listening to like Rodney on the rocks, um, right. You know, and things like that, but there really wasn't a lot of information. You had to really go look for it back then. And so it made it more of a closer community, right? you know, because you had to relate to people and talk. Yeah. And, hey, did you, you know, 
oh, look at this record. And, wow, have you heard this one, you know? And, yeah. and people actually communicated And people it. actually listened to full records instead yeah, you, of just, you, like, streaming one song at a time. <laughs> I got a lot of vinyl. And, yeah. Um, you know, I love the vinyl. And, Same. Yeah, you just, you know, to hold it and touch yeah. it and take it home. It's like, oh, wow, this is, like, yeah. this is so cool. I have to mention this one band, Klondike Pete and the Huskies. <laughs> I'm gonna find that out. The album's called "Some of the, Some of the Fellers." Okay, just gonna cut in here really quick and say that Madeline and I geeked out over a huge stack of yellowing flyers and old photographs of mohawked people hanging out in rural San Luis Obispo County. Um, have to say, you need to check out these photos. Go to isyourboyfriendintheband.com, my blog, and um, click on the blog post for this episode. Um, I'm going to post a bunch of these photos, and you got to check out Madeline because she looks so hot. I mean, Blondie has nothing on her. Her bone structure and her style is iconic. Um, that's all. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was really fun chatting with you about the past, but also cool to know that like the, the punk rock ethos that you've, you know, lived by and been so much part of your life is still so much a part of your life. And it's very inspiring. So thank you for sharing that with me. Oh. Gives me hope that you know, I can keep doing what I do too and contribute and have fun and wear leopard print. Of course. No, thank you. <laughs> it's good to pass the torch. Yes, although you're not really you passing it George. because, you know, there's still there's still leopard print outfits that are in your closet. So oh, no, no, we could definitely you're... get those out again. <laughs> <laughs> and we but, shall. Um, yeah. So I always ask my, I ask my guests how they sparkle and destroy, because my podcast is Sparkle and Destroy. Sparkle Hard is all about, you know, shining, being seen, um, um, standing up for yourself, and destroying is, you know, busting down the doors so other people can do so too. And that's why I always have awesome women on my podcast. Ah. So I wonder if when I say sparkle and destroy, if you anything comes to mind on how you do that. I, I would say sparkling with, uh, you know, keeping up with all the new, the younger bands, yeah. you know, like the Monroe or whatever band it is, but just keeping in touch with what's going on currently and, you know, wanting to put on some yeah. shows. And making it happen and giving back to the community and doing good work. I think that's... Bringing life to exactly. this county, which, which you've which been we... doing for so long. <laughs> Thank you. Like, standing ovation. Yay. Punk rock is here because of this wonderful lady right here. Um, well, thank you. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having... <laughs> thank you for having me have you. <laughs> um, I'm loopy now. Um, it's just been so fun looking through all your old photographs, so... Um, yeah, thank you so much. Well, thank you, Haley. And we'll have to do something in the future real soon. Hell yeah. Yeah. All righty.
Sit on my face, Stevie Nicks, by the Rodders, legendary Central Coast, Ventura, California band. Um, if you want to know more about my band, Haley and the Crushers, go to HaleyandTheCrushers.com or follow me on Instagram at HaleyandTheCrushers, at HaleyCrusher, at SparklingDestroyPod. If you have questions about the podcast, you can email SparklingDestroyPod at gmail.com. And if you want to say hi to me in real life and give me a high five, uh, come to one of my shows. That would be really rad. Um, that's all for now, guys. Uh, I will catch you on the flip side.